Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us for this time today. We hope that this message will encourage you, build your faith, and help you thrive with God and thrive in life. Now to the message. Uh, we're in a series we are calling Ghost Stories, Ghost Stories. And um, really, we're talking about the oldest ghost story that has ever been recorded, the oldest one, and it is the only true one, and it's happened throughout history. Um, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit. That We started with the Holy Spirit, that he was moving at creation, that when God spoke, he created. Now, we're really playing off of, for Ghost Stories, the King James translation, translate Holy Spirit, into Holy Ghost. So let's uh, kick it old school with that. And, and uh, we're really playing off of that, of the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. And that your life, my life, is meant to be a ghost story. That it isn't meant to be just a mundane, me doing me, I do my thing, I, 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 you know, eventually I retire and then eventually I die. Uh, that your life really is meant to be a ghost story. The Holy Spirit working in and through your life and that your life would be, he'd be working in and through your life, and that you would see the goodness of God, that you would be empowered by his spirit. So we talked about the first week, who the Holy Spirit is, that, you know, he's not your spiritual sidekick, that the Holy Spirit is God. He is part of the Trinity, that he is God, and that, that just as creation, that he was confirming the word that went forward to bring it to pass, that the Holy Spirit today is working in your life to bring the words of Jesus, the word of God, uh, to pass in your life. Then we talked about how that the Holy Spirit empowers you to turn the world upside down. That, that, that you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to really to turn the world upside down by the power and spirit of God, where you can walk into a place that, where there is anxiety and you can bring the peace of God, that you can walk into a place where there is tension and you can change the atmosphere. You can walk in a place where there is, is, um, is suffering, but go in with the Holy Spirit empowering you and turn the world upside down. And last week we talked about how the Holy Spirit changes our focus. That we can, that when the Holy Spirit, sin causes us to look at ourselves, me, number one. But the Holy Spirit, he changes our focus to look under Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. And then because we're looking unto Jesus, it causes us to look where Jesus is looking. That he is, his, that God so loved the world, so our focus then changes beyond just me, because the Holy Spirit bears witness that I'm a son of God, so then God, uh, God takes care of me, so then I can look beyond, uh, beyond me. So we're going to uh, conclude uh, this series um, this week um, today. You know, in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant, like they built the Ark, you know, sort of think of Indiana Jones, but not. Um, they built the Ark of the Covenant, and that is where the presence of God rested. Uh, the, uh, God said, hey, I'm going to dwell with you and build this ark. And the Ark of the Covenant would be held in the tabernacle, which was a mobile tent. Uh, the first temple was uh, set up, tear down. And then eventually they found a temple. And they're like, we're so glad we're here. And then it got destroyed and they built another. Uh, but, uh, and, and, uh, 
And so the Holy Spirit uh, rested, the Spirit, the presence of God rested there. It was the presence of God. And what's interesting is, I find is that Joshua, when Joshua and the Israelites went into the promised land, God commanded them, said, hey, uh, have the Ark of the Covenant with priests go before you, have my presence go before you, step into the Jordan, and the Jordan stops it, its flow. So they, the, the presence of God went before them, the Spirit of God really, uh, symbolized with, by the Ark of the Covenant, they went and the Jordan River was actually stopped. They had stopped and all of Israel entered into the promised land. And that actually, that is in one way a picture of you and I uh, uh, and our new reality is that God now dwells in us, that the Spirit of God today, when you say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life, that the Spirit of God now dwells in you, that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not in some ark anymore. He is in you, confirming salvation, that, that now just as the ark held back the water and the Israelites went into the promised land, that today the Holy Spirit is confirming now that he's in your heart when you make Jesus Lord of your life, that your eternity is now secure in him, that you are now not just in promised land, you are now in paradise with him, that he is now with you. And now if you fast forward like 1,400-ish years later, there's another account on the same Jordan River. Um, and John the, Baptist, John the Baptist is baptizing people in the water. Really what he's doing is he's, people are repenting and then he's dunking them under the water and they're coming up. Um, some people maybe he thinks, oh, I should hold them under a little bit longer and then come up. But, uh, but he is baptizing. We see this in Matthew 3.11. It says this, Matthew 3.11, I indeed baptize you with, uh, with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, so he, he's baptizing everybody in the Jordan River with water. And he's saying, there's one coming who is greater than I. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Then we see in Matthew 3.13 in the Jordan River. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you uh, and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. Then when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove uh, and, um, uh, 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 and landing upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. Uh, in there, it's interesting that the spirit of God came then upon him. The Holy Spirit came upon him. Him. And, and Jesus then went from there, led by the Spirit. He was then uh, led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was led, the Holy Spirit then, he led him. He went forward advancing the kingdom of God. He, had, he went forward healing the sick. He went forward doing what God had called him to do as the Spirit of God was upon him. 
Uh, and that it's interesting is that, I, I don't know, I was reading it this morning and I just thought it was so interesting is that before in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God kept the water from, from taking them over. And then now instead, uh, the Spirit of God is upon him and he leaves the water and he's going and changing the world around him that he's changing the world around him. And I think it's a picture for you and I of that the Spirit of God is inside of you as a Christian, but that there's an opportunity for you and I to have the Spirit of God upon us, that we can be led by the Spirit of God, that we can be Spirit-filled, that we would uh, advance the kingdom, that everywhere we would go, that, that we would actually have the Spirit of God leading us and guiding us. Have you ever uh, received a gift before and you left it like unopened? Have you ever done that before? Uh, like if you have kids, it's like never. It's like you put it in front of them. It's like, why did I even wrap this? Like I should just handed it to you. It was ripped right away. But maybe you, you, uh, you, you open a present or you get a present and it's like you open it and you're like, oh, thanks. And you have no idea what it is. Have you ever done that? I'm just going to put that one there. And you leave like maybe it's still in the box, so you leave it there and you never open it. Um, if, you, if you ever do that with my gift, keep that to yourself. Um, but, uh, uh, but, or maybe before you've unknowingly left a gift unopened. Have you ever maybe done that? Is a, there were like a couple things in the bag. You pulled out one. Oh, this is so great. Pulled another. This is so great. And then you put the bag away thinking that, oh yeah, I've got everything. And then only later to discover when they're like, how did you like said gift? You're like, what gift? <laughs> it was left unopened because I didn't even know it existed. You know, Jesus, he has provided us with uh, and made available to us a gift, a gift to every Christian. Uh, and Jesus told us of this gift, what the purpose of this gift is. Um, yet I think many Christians actually leave this gift unopened, if you will. That they pull it out and you're like, I'm not exactly sure what this is. I'm just going to put this here and move on. Or maybe you're like, I didn't know there was something else in the bag. I didn't know there was something more. Now, Peter describes this, this gift and it is the gift of the Holy Spirit in his first um, in, after Pentecost, he, he preached and he said what the gift was, that the Holy Spirit, and he described the Holy Spirit as the gift. That the Holy Spirit is the gift from God. Uh, the Holy Spirit will, is a gift to our lives and it is for everyone. Uh, I, have you ever gotten like um, a hockey stick before for a present? Those are the hardest things to wrap. Because what do you do? You just wrap it in wrapping paper. You know what it is. Well, the, Jesus told us exactly what the gift is and what the gift would do is in John 16, 7, it says this. It says, John 16, verse 7 says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper uh, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So the gift is the Holy Spirit, that Jesus is the giver of this gift. And we've already said that the Holy Spirit will dwell in you when you make Jesus Lord of your life. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. But if we continue with that metaphorical, um, there's more in the bag, is it's not only just the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. 
we're not just only to be temples of the Holy Spirit, but that actually the Holy Spirit, just even as Jesus, as the Holy Spirit rested upon Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is as well to rest upon us, to come upon us. We see this in Acts 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, this is Jesus, he commanded them, do not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. That's referring back to the helper of the Holy Spirit. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. See, Jesus is talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit being filled with the Spirit, a baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, it says this. Jesus says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, not dwelling in you, but upon you. There's a difference. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So for the Holy Spirit to come upon you, to come upon you. And Jesus is speaking to Christians there when he's saying this. That in Acts 1, he's speaking to Christians, people who are already actually already having the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, in them. Because in John 22, or 20 verse 22, we see Jesus say, receive the Holy Spirit, and he blows onto them. So now the Holy Spirit is dwelling in them. Now he's then talking to the same group of people, and he says, wait here, because the Holy Spirit is going to be coming upon you. The Spirit of God is going to come upon you. Uh, and, and so that they would receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of his gift. And what he's talking about is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or being, we would call it as well, being spirit-filled. And Jesus is the giver, we read. He is the baptizer. And, and we know if Jesus is the baptizer, that the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. So what he is giving, it is a good thing. Now, maybe you're here today and you're like, um, I, I've never really... I've never understood the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Like I've read it there and I've maybe skipped past it in my Bible because I'm like, what is this? And you sort of put it to the side. It's like, what do I do with this? Or maybe you're going with the metaphor. You're like, great, salvation. But you didn't realize there's more in the bag that God actually has for you, that there's more in the bag. So my, my hope, my prayer, my desire is this, is that, is, is to bring uh, understanding, some clarity, and that the Spirit of the Lord would give you revelation of what this is and what is available to you as followers uh, of Jesus. That we see that there are two experiences. There is the salvation, the indwelling, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit coming upon you. We see this in the Bible. We see different examples of this. You're like, Josiah, show me this in the Bible. Well, I will. Uh, and I'm sort of laying this out so that you can understand and we can really get a biblical understanding of this. So in John 20, we see that the disciples re uh, receive the Holy Spirit. That is salvation. They have the, the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, we see the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit being poured out and coming upon them. So two separate experiences. We have salvation, then the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 8, we see believers actually receiving the Spirit on a separate occasion. 
Paul, OG name Saul. Uh, in, in Acts 9, we see, uh, in 1 to 9, we see that he encounters Jesus. And he, he actually, in that moment, he gives his life to the Lord. He says, Lord, Lord, what would you have me to do? I believe it's Acts 9, verse 6. Lord, Lord, what should I do? In that moment, he is given his life to the Lord. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So he is now saved. But later in Acts, in Acts 9, uh, verse uh, 17, we actually see that he goes to, or Ananias comes to him. And when Ananias went to uh, his way and entered his house and laying his hands on him said, brother Saul. Now he's not calling him brother because Ananias just goes around calling everybody brother. He's go he calls him brother because now Paul, uh, Saul at the time, but later Paul, spoiler alert, is a brother in Christ. So he is already saved. So brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit, a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Immediately there uh, fell uh, from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight once again and he arose and was baptized. So he, uh, we see there in scripture, there are two separate experiences. Now you're maybe like, Josiah, um, I've heard this before, I understand this. Well, I'm, I just wanna lay a groundwork for those who maybe don't that there is salvation dwelling in, then there is also the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the dwelling upon. Uh, and and uh, that, that the Holy Spirit uh, is for us. In Acts 1, 5, Jesus uh, says this, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse eight says this, one verse eight, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that you would receive power and empowerment from the Holy Spirit so that you could, uh, that as he comes upon you, empowered to change how you live your daily life and how you experience your life. I think of it this way, is, uh, you know, um, when you drink some water, right? You, you need water. My wife is always on me about, Josiah, you need to drink more water. Um, so I'm going to do some now. Tell her this because I, she's down in kids' church. She says hi, but please tell her I drank water, okay? So this is, I sort of think of like salvation, like drinking water, is now the water then goes into me. I need water to live. My wife is right. I need water to live or else it's part of life. You need the Holy Spirit. When you give your life to the Lord, you need the Holy Spirit to make your spirit anew. That, that now the Spirit of God lives inside of you, dwells in you, and so that the Spirit is now causing you to be alive, right? And, and now Jesus says that he'll baptize you in the Spirit, that you'd be baptized in the Spirit. And baptism in, in water is you getting dunked, right? You're going into the water and coming out. And so uh, if salvation is the Holy Spirit, then like water going into you, baptism is like if you were to, of the Holy Spirit, is like if you were to jump into a pool or into water where uh, you're, you're now in the pool, the water is all around you, and you're really, if you will, going into the water. And the pool, have you ever swam? Of course you have. Why am I asking you this? But it, when you swim, a pool changes when you're in the water, how you experience things how you move, 
You can like go down, you can go up, you can, it changes, you're you're not held by the normal things. And when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and his power, it changes how you experience your life. It changes how you experience life because you're not operating by your power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, verse 1, it says this. So this is where we see where the Holy Spirit was poured out. Uh, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house uh, where they were sitting. There appeared to them them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. So the Holy Spirit then uh, came upon them, and this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, And and there they would have uh, received an empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and we see in Acts 2 verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit, and one of the proof of this was that they then began to speak in other tongues. Something that comes with the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when, the Holy, when God baptizes you or Jesus baptizes you in the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. Now, what is that, Josiah? What is that? Maybe uh, you have not heard of this before. Maybe you're like, yeah, I know what this is. Well, you get a gold star. I'm gonna tell you is, uh, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Uh, really, the, uh, or the speaking in tongues rather. It is a heavenly prayer language of that God gives your spirit utterance to say to him. He gives you the words to say to God. In 1 Corinthians 14, 1 to 2, it says this. It says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. See, speaking in tongues is a spiritual gift, but especially that you may prophesy. He's talking about this because next verse, uh, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Uh, for no one understands him. However, in uh, spirit, he speaks mysteries. So what Paul is, is, is saying here, uh, later verses is that, and he says, I desire that you would all uh, more so prophesy because it edifies in a public space. But he also talks about speaking in tongues, your private prayer life, that he who speaks in tongue does not speak to men. So it's not a, something of, to speak to you and I, but there is speaking in tongues is a divine prayer language given by God for you just to speak to him. It's kind of like, I don't know, uh, who had the red phone? Was it Batman who had the red phone? It's like a direct line. I don't know if that even is. I'm not a Batman guy. Um, It is. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, But is that really, speaking in tongues is, is a divine prayer language where you speak directly to God and that, that God gives you utterance, that you pray divine secrets, the scripture says, the, the perfect will of God. In 1 Corinthians 14, 14, uh, it says this, 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 14, it says this. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14 says, for I pray, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So here he's saying, if I'm praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, my understanding is unfruitful. That, that you bypass, you're not using your mind, if you will, but that your spirit is praying unto God. Have you, uh, 
Have you ever had a time where you just don't know what to pray? Like you've been in a situation where it's like, I have no idea what to pray. It's a pressure cooker or a moment of like, it's just so big, I have no clue. I don't even have a clue. Uh, I remember when my daughter was born um, and there was like complications. Uh, I'll spare you the details, but we were in the room and there was one nurse and then all of a sudden there were 15 people in the room and that's never a good thing. I don't have to be an expert at that. Um, I'd been through the birth of my, uh, there in the room, I should say, with the birth of my son, and I knew what was normal, and this was not normal. And my mind, quite honestly, there was some concern, some worry, and I didn't know exactly how to pray. How do I pray? So in that moment is when I used, if you will, my divine prayer language, the language that God gave me that I spoke in tongues. I prayed God's perfect will because I didn't know what to pray. I didn't know what was going on. My wife is not doing well. My little daughter is not doing well because I see the look on the doctors. So what do I do? I prayed in the spirit. I, I and I prayed in the spirit. What is that? That's not for you. See, Paul actually says, don't pray without interpretation because it confuses you. But I'm laying this out for you. Is that, that, that is a personal prayer language between you and God. And in that, me praying that, I don't know the words to pray, but the Spirit of God knows what I need to pray. So the Spirit, the Bible says, then gives me utterance to then pray. See, it bypasses my mind that's freaking out. What am I doing here? How are we going to? Instead, I can pray and the Spirit of God can pray through me and I can pray that perfect will of God that I don't need to know what to say and pray the perfect, uh, uh, um, the perfect will of God. And what's interesting in this moment, as I started praying in the spirit, is that I started to feel peace. I started to feel that the Lord was, was I started to feel strengthened that I went from, a, oh my goodness, like what is going on? Why are all these doctors are not talking calmly? They're yelling, this is not good. I started to feel strengthened in my faith even. That no, 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 God, you've got this. There started to change something as I was praying. Now, I didn't, wasn't like shouting at the doc. Like, you know, I wasn't like sh shundying at the top of my voice. No, I was like praying under my voice because the, the volume of it doesn't make it anything more powerful. I'm praying as God would for God to work. And, and, and God did. I, like, I have a wife. I have a little girl. They're healthy. They're good. Thank God. Uh, and, and so part of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I think it's a gift, and many people leave it in, in, in the bag, if you will, because it's like, I don't fully understand it, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. But it is a gift from God where you have a heavenly prayer language where you can pray the perfect will of God, that it actually strengthens your faith. In Jude 20, you're like, what chapter? There's only one chapter in Jude 20. Um, but beloved, uh, <laughs> but you, beloved, building yourself up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. That's talking about praying in tongues. And that, see, when I was in that time of, oh my goodness, what is happening where my mind was going one way, as I was praying in the Spirit, as the Holy Spirit was giving me, me uh, the words to say, giving me utterance, that, that actually it was, it was building my faith up. It was building, it was strengthening my faith. Uh, uh, have you ever had a, 
a day that it's been a day, it's been a week, it's been a month, it's been a, a, a year, and it's so hard. And it's like, you know, Isaiah talks about, Isaiah 28 talks about, they don't have it, but how praying in the spirit that it actually, there's a rest that comes with it. That there's a rest as you pray in the spirit. And even in that moment of where it felt like, what is going on? Oh my goodness. I found myself having a supernatural rest that didn't make any sense. And, and, and that is, as you pray in the spirit, you're praying out that perfect will of God. I had a, a, a pastor friend uh, who, who he was just been exhausted, 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 like perpetually exhausted. And uh, it was like a group of four of us. And, and one pastor was like, hey, how are you doing in praying in the spirit? Like, are you, are you praying in the spirit? Well, uh, but that there is a rest that comes. There's a rest that comes as you pray in your heavenly language. It also edifies or strengthens you. 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says this. It says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So uh, if you could choose between the two, Paul's saying, hey, listen, prophesy. It edifies everybody. I wish that you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you, would, that you prophesy, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongue, not like better, like, oh, you prophesy, you're fancy. But that actually that it's better for a corporate body for to prophesy or to give tongues with interpretation. That's spiritual gifts. We can talk about that another time. But that, that, um, that Paul says, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. That it's, a bit, it's available for all believers. That as for us to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, to have a heavenly prayer language where we can speak to the Lord. Pray the perfect wills of God. Um, and now, you know, some people might shy away from, from speaking about this, but I believe that this is so important because the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's not just like, oh, this is a, like a nice little feature like on my car. I have power windows or I don't, <laughs> right? Like there, there is a, there's, there's a difference. It's, it's, I believe it's a gift from the Lord because what God has called you to, what, the, what you are walking in, it, it's not enough for, for us just to figure it out on our own, but that God has given us a gift, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where you can have a heavenly prayer language and you speak directly to him. Uh, and and that, that what you're going through, what God has for you, where, who you need to reach, that you need to be edified, your faith needs to be built up, you need to be a place where there's being demands put on you, but there's a supernatural rest that comes from praying in the Spirit and praying in tongues. And so if you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you this week to pray more, to remember what the gift of the, of God, what a gift that is from God. As Paul says that I will pray in the Spirit, I will pray with my understanding. I will sing in the spirit. I will sing in my understanding. This week, I will pray in tongues. And if you have not uh, uh, prayed in the spirit or been baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, I want to encourage you this Friday, we're going to have a time where 
we're going to ask Jesus, you come up, we'll pray together and ask Jesus, because he is the one who baptizes, to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. He will give you a heavenly prayer language, speaking in tongues, where you can pray the perfect will of God, where you have another uh, empowered by the Spirit. But as we close this whole series, can I encourage you with this? Is Let your life be a ghost story. Let your life be empowered by the Holy Spirit working in and through you. That, that he has a good plan for you, a hope, a purpose. And that his spirit is working in you and through you to turn the world upside down with his peace, with his hope, with his life that he has. To, to, to not focus on self, but to focus on others. And that is, Spirit is saying you are, he edifies, you are a son, a daughter of God. And if, if that's the case, which it is, he's got you. He's got the big needs, he's got the little needs. He's the creator of the universe. And he has you. And I think what's amazing too is, as, as the Spirit of the Lord was moving over the waters at creation, and moving on the Word of God. But the Holy Spirit today is moving on the Word of God, bringing things to pass in your life. Thank you for joining us for the Thrive Church Podcast. We hope this message encouraged you, built your faith, and helped you thrive with God and thrive in life. We would love to see you on a Sunday soon, in person or online. You can get all the information at thrivecalgary.ca. If you would like to support a partner with Thrive Church financially, you can do so by going to thrivecalgary.ca and click the Give button. No God is for you. We love you and have a great week.